Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Let's go this morning to uh, Luke chapter number nine today. Luke chapter nine, we are going to jump back into our study of encountering Christ, and Luke chapter nine is where we're going to be this morning. I want to ask you a question today. Have you ever... How many of you learned, well, not have you ever, but how many of you learned to ride a bike because of training wheels? How many of you learned that? You learned that. Many of us probably can remember uh, the very first few times that your parents taught you to ride a bike on training wheels. You, you didn't learn to ride a bike on training wheels, either A, if your parents were like, come on, man up, child, or if your sibling taught you. If your sibling taught you to ride a bike, you probably weren't given training wheels. But man, I remember being given training wheels. I remember my dad as just a young boy, probably four or five years old, got a little huffy bike and my dad put training wheels on that bike. I remember to learn to ride a bike uh, with my dad behind me with those training wheels. But do you remember when your dad uh, or your mom or whoever taught you, they said, hey, now it's time to take the training wheels off. Uh, Never an exciting thing. I don't know, can you remember your first bike wreck after your training wheels were off? I remember mine. I remember my very first bike wreck. I remember I was riding, uh, grew up in Greeley, Colorado, just riding on a side street there. And I remember my dad behind me, kind of pushing, jogging behind me. And I, I took off. And as I took off thinking I could do it, I remember just tumbling right over into those, uh, those real prickly green bushes. I don't remember what it was called, but man, we dumped right over into that. And I just remember getting like thistles and pokey things all over me. And my dad was like, that's all right, get up, do it again. And I'm like, I don't want to get up and do it again. Put the training wheels back on. You know, Many of us, we have to learn to ride a bike without training wheels because how silly would it be if I were to get on a bike right now with training wheels? Like I'm 40 years old and if you were to see me riding down your street with a bike with training wheels, like you'd you'd wonder, I mean, you'd think, Pastor, are you feeling okay? I mean, I know you said your back's hurting, but come on, man, training wheels? And there's just something about when you hit a certain age, listen, when you hit a certain age, the training wheels need to go. This morning, what I want to talk to you about is the trust of your Christian life. How much do you trust God? How much do you really believe God? Because if we'd be honest this morning, I would venture to say that many of us here, we are still living a training wheel Christianity. We are not trusting God like we should. We still live the Christian life with training wheels on. And today we're going to be challenged by Jesus in a message that he teaches the apostles because the apostles, they were still living training wheel Christianity. They still had training wheels on their trust of God. And this morning, what we're going to be challenged with is really the title of the message today. It's time to take off the training wheels. In your Christian life and my Christian life, it's time to take off the training wheels. That's what we're going to see this morning as we jump into the passage of Luke chapter number nine. 
Luke chapter 9, if you would stand with me, we're going to read just a few verses. Luke chapter 9, verse number 37 is where we're going to begin. Luke chapter 9, verse 37. The word of God says this, and it came to pass that on the next day, all right, so on the next day, that means something previously, something happened previously the day before. What was that something? Well, it was what we looked at last week, the Mount of Transfiguration, all right? Jesus took James, Peter, and John, went up into a mountain in order to pray. Remember last week, those of you that were here, Jesus took them up to the mountain to pray, and they fell asleep while Jesus prayed. And in that moment, Moses and Elijah appeared to Jesus, and Jesus transfigured. His appearance was changed, and he took on the glorious appearance that he would have in the kingdom of heaven. And him and Moses and Elijah spoke of the death, burial, and resurrection. Peter, James, and John, they were asleep. They woke up. When they woke up, they saw this. And Peter said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. We should build a, 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 a something to honor Moses, Elijah, and you. And in that moment, a cloud came over. A voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son, hear him. And in that moment, the cloud dissipated, disappeared, and Jesus was left alone, teaching us the simple truth that Jesus should be the most influential voice into our life. Peter was lifting up Moses and Elijah on an important same level as Jesus. And God says, no, 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 no. No, yes, they're important representing the law and the prophets, but my son, Jesus Christ, should be the most important voice in your life. So on the next day, we come to our passage. On the next day, when they were come down from the hill, much people met him. And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. And lo, I, a spirit taketh him, and he suddenly crieth out, and it teareth him that he foameth again, and bruising him hardly departeth from him. We don't get a break in this, my son being demon-possessed. And this man says, and I, I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. Verse 41, Jesus answering said, O faithless and perverse or corrupted generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither, he says to the man. And as he was yet coming, the devil threw him down and, and tear him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. But while they wondered every one at these things which Jesus did, he said unto his disciples, let these sayings sink down into your ears because the son of man shall be delivered into the hands of men. But they understood not this saying and it was hid from them, and they perceived it not, and they feared to ask him of that saying. That phrase that Jesus says in verse number 41, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? It is in that phrase that we find Jesus saying to the disciples, it's time to take off the training wheels. 
Now, you may not see it yet, but we're going to describe that statement, what it means, what Jesus is asking. And we're going to be challenged with this today. In your trust and in your Christian faith and your walk with God, I hope that you and I would receive the same challenge that the disciples, the apostles received. And that is that it's time to take off the training wheels. It's time to take some steps of growth and understanding this simple truth. We still serve a God of all power. We still serve a God of miracle working power. And this morning before I pray, I want to ask you today, what is it in your life that you've been saying God can't? What is it in your life? What situation in your life have you been saying God cannot do this? Today, I hope that we would look and listen from the message of Jesus. We still serve a powerful God. It's time to take the training wheels off and trust him. That's what we're going to talk about today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I would ask you, would you pray? And just in the quietness of your own heart, would you ask the Lord to speak to you? You can pray something simple. Dear God, please speak to me today. And then would you today make a commitment? God, if you speak to me, I'll listen to you. Dear Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, for how you desire to use it in our lives and how you want to use it today. And Lord, I'm thankful for this passage and this message and Lord, how you have helped me with it. God, I pray that you'd help everything today to come through with clarity. I pray that you'd help my mind and my heart today. Would you speak to me once again? Would you help each one of us to hear from you? And Lord, if there's someone that is with us in person or maybe online that They don't know for certain that heaven is where they would spend eternity. I pray that today would be a day they put their faith and their trust completely in you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to just gather freely. And we pray that you'd speak to us right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. As we come to our passage this morning, we need to understand, and a lot of it will make more sense when we catch and remember the context, what's taking place. This passage is recorded, the story that we read before us is recorded for us today in Luke chapter number nine, but it is also recorded in Mark chapter nine, as well as Matthew chapter number 17. So we are going to draw from all three of these passages, (coughs) excuse me. As I said a moment ago, this story takes place after the Mount of Transfiguration. It appears that while Jesus was up on the mountain with Peter, James, and John, so let's just, for illustration's sake, let's say that that took place on a Tuesday, all right? So you're with me, that took place on a Tuesday. They're up on this mountain. On that same Tuesday, while Jesus and the three are up on this mountain, There seems to be a story taking place behind the scenes that we don't read about until the next day. Well, what is that story? Well, while Jesus and the three are up on the mountain, there is the nine that are left behind at the bottom of the mountain. Well, what happens down at the bottom of this mountain? Well, as the nine are there, I don't know what they're doing, just sitting, grilling some fish. I don't know if they're uh, playing a game. We don't know all everything, but we do know that while they're sitting there, a man who has a demon-possessed son comes to the disciples. 
And this man comes to them and says, hey, I imagine the conversation going something like this. Are you followers of Jesus? Are you the disciples of Jesus? Well, yes, we are. Hey, listen, my son is demon possessed. Can you help me? All right, that's what took place on Tuesday while Jesus is up on this mountain. That's taking place down below. Wednesday, Tuesday night, Jesus comes down. Tuesday night, they go to bed. Wednesday morning, they wake up. They're all down from the mountain now. Wednesday morning, there's multitudes of people coming to Jesus again. And in that multitude is this man and his son. That man and his son comes to Jesus and says, hey, I brought my son to your, apost- your disciples yesterday. My son's demon possessed, but your followers could not do anything about it. Jesus hears that statement and he says that phrase that we read in verse 41. He looks to the disciples and he says, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Now, in just a very blunt English phrase, That question, how long shall I be with you? Uh, We understand that. Hey guys, how long do you think I'm gonna be around? The physical presence of Jesus, how long, how much longer do you think I'm gonna be here? Second part of the question, how long shall I suffer you? Okay, We, we might say it this way. How long am I gonna have to put up with this? That's what we might say. How long do I need to put up with you? Okay, now, we say it out of annoyance right? Your spouse does something, your sibling does something, and you say, how long do I need to put up with this? you at work, something happens, and you go, I don't have to put up with this. How long shall I? That, that's, not what, that's not the intention Jesus has in this. The phrase in, in this passage, how long shall I put up with you? How long shall I suffer you? It comes on the tail end of how long shall I be with you? So here's what Jesus is saying to them. Hey guys, how much longer do you think I'm going to be around and how much longer am I going to have to hold you up? How much longer am I going to have to be the person, the one to perform the miracle? Now, you and I say, well, Jesus is the only one to perform the miracle. Pause, context. What has Jesus been teaching them is going to take place? His death and burial and resurrection. They expected the Messiah to come. Listen, they expected the Messiah to come to physically set up his presence, to physically set up the kingdom and every, and Rome rule to end and all of that to take place. They expected all of that to happen. Here's, here's what we need to understand. This is the, the foundation of the entire message is built upon this thought. The, the apostles... They were completely dependent upon the physical presence of Jesus. Okay, don't miss that. They were dependent upon the physical presence of Jesus. As long as Jesus was physically around, the apostles were fine. As long as, the, as Jesus was physically there, I mean, think about it. By now, have they seen Jesus work many miracles? Yes. Have they seen Jesus heal the demon possessed? 
Yes. Have they seen Jesus heal the land? Yeah, we could go down the line of everything that they have seen Jesus do. So they know Jesus can work in any of those situations. Whenever somebody brought, listen, whenever somebody brought an ailment to Jesus, if the apostles caught wind of it, here's what they did. Oh, you have an issue? Okay, one second. Hey, Jesus, come here. And physical Jesus walk right over. And they'd say, Jesus, this one's blind. Can you do something and just step out of the way? Listen, they believed that Jesus would work only when Jesus was around, physically present. Their belief was a mistaken belief. And here's why. Jesus is teaching them, I soon am going away. He was preparing them because soon he would be gone, but his power would not be. Right? Remember with me, those of you that know scripture, Jesus is teaching this because when he goes away, he's going to send the spirit to them. We'll find that in John uh, chapter 13, 14, and 15. Jesus says, if I don't go, then the spirit can't come. And if the spirit doesn't come, then you guys can't experience the power of God in its fullest. So on this day, Jesus says, you are faithless and you are corrupted. How long do you think I'm gonna be with you? How long do I need to hold you up? Here's what Jesus is asking them. Gentlemen, how long do you need training wheels? How long is your trust in me gonna be reliant upon the training wheel of my physical presence? Now, how how can we connect this to us today? Here's how. In your life and my life, our trust, it may not be in his physical presence, but often our, listen, Our trust is dependent upon Jesus doing what we think needs to be done. Their trust was dependent upon Jesus doing what they thought needed to be done in the sense of his physical presence. But this morning, we're gonna learn that Jesus is teaching them, no, 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 my power can work regardless of me being here. Luke actually says this later. He says, let these sayings sink down into your ears for the son of man shall be delivered into the hands of men. But they understood not the saying and it was hid from them that they perceived it not and they feared to ask him of that saying. You see, the apostles still were not understanding. Luke is saying, hey, you guys, Jesus said to the the apostles, Jesus said to them, let this sink down into your ears. Let what sink down into your ears? The words that I'm teaching you. Well, what words did he say? You are not really trusting me. You got to take the training wheels off, gentlemen. And this morning, as we look at this passage, I want to look and I want us to discover from here in Luke, as well as in the book of Mark and Matthew from this passage, how you and I can take the training wheels off of our trust with the Lord and understand that we really do have a God that we can trust completely. And so this morning, I want us to see, first of all, if we're going to take the training wheels off of our Christian life and be able to really trust God completely, we need to know, number one, that no situation, no situation is too big for the Lord. Hey, no situation, no circumstance is too big for the Lord. As we read our story, 
We find the father bringing his son, demon-possessed son, to the apostles. And as he recounts this, he brings this up to Jesus. And he says to Jesus these words, I besought, I begged thy disciples to cast him out. And what's those four words? And they could what? And they could not. (laughs) The phrase, and they could not, it's simply this father saying, um, I brought this problem to your, your guys, but uh, they had no power in them. They couldn't do anything. They were overwhelmed at this request. Can you imagine the apostles on that Tuesday? Jesus is gone. They're there by the campfire. Here comes this fella. His son's demon-possessed. Heal my son. Can you imagine them just start to look around at each other? I don't know what to do. Do you know what to do? No, I don't know what to do. Where's Jesus? He's up the mountain. Well, what do we do? I don't know. What Man, wringing their hands, anxious, maybe getting frustrated. Thomas, you do something. Judas, you do something. Simon, you do something. Man, just somebody do something. The phrase they could not is helping us understand they were overwhelmed by the request. They, they didn't know what to do with the request. Maybe they're there just wringing their hands in despair, fearful, frustrated. Here's what Mark records Jesus said to the father. He asked the father, how long ago since this came unto him? Or how, how long has he been suffering from this? And the father said, since he was a child. And oftentimes it, the demon, would cast my son into the fire and into waters to destroy him. But Lord, if if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Do you know what I love in this simple account that Mark gives? Jesus was not overwhelmed by the request. There's a simple lesson that we can learn in this if we're going to really trust God in anything. If we're really going to take the training wheels off in our trust of the Lord, we need to understand this, that Jesus is never overwhelmed by any of your situations. The disciples were overwhelmed and they were distressed as to what to do. And you know what Jesus did? He knew exactly what was needed. I don't know about you, but sometimes in life, my situations can be overwhelming. Sometimes in life, my situations can cause Dennis Fountain some distress and anxiety. You know what I'm thankful for today? While I would look at my life and like the father say, I could not, they could not do anything. Lord, I can't do anything. Here's what I need to understand and recognize. I have a God that is never overwhelmed by my situations. Hey, you think that your marriage is really on the rocks and it's overwhelming you? God's not overwhelmed by it. Hey, you think that that work situation is overwhelming? God's not overwhelmed by it. That health situation, man, God, what do we do? God's not taken by surprise. He's not overwhelmed. And while we know this, sometimes our trust in God 
in situations is dependent upon how we can control the situation. Can I tell you this morning that if we're going to take the training wheels off, we need to remember things are too big for me, but it's never too big for God. I see this morning, first off, that we've got to take the training wheels off by realizing no situation is too big for the Lord. Secondly, I noticed this today. If we're going to take the training wheels off, we need to recognize that choosing to trust God is a decision that I must continually make. Don't you wish that like, okay, let's say it's a financial situation in your life. Not, not because of a silly decision. I'm not talking about you go out and blow your money and then go, oh God, what am I gonna do? Because you, I need your help, God, please help me. Oh God, please help me. And it's because you bought you know, too many coffees. I don't know, that's what I would buy too many of. So I'm not talking about that. Let's talk about a financial situation that is completely out of your control. A, 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 an absolutely surprising job loss or a, a water pipe breaks or something happens that you're just out of your control. Don't you wish... They, you could just be like, all right, Lord, here's the situation. I, I'm coming to you, and God, I trust you with it. All right. How you doing, man? I'm great. Why? My, my water, water main broke today. Well, that doesn't sound great. Oh, it's good. God's got it. The next day, no, no, God's got it. Two weeks later, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I just trust God. God's got it. Don't you wish that you didn't doubt again? I don't know about you. I'm like this. God, my water line broke. I really need you. Lord, I, all right, God, I trust you. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? I just, ha, 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 ha. Oh, God, I'm, God, I'm sorry. Lord, I trust you. I trust you. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I mean, let's be honest. That's how most of us are. We have to realize that if I'm going to take training wheels off, I got to understand that choosing to trust is a daily decision. The, the phrase that the Lord gave to the apostles is this, oh, faithless and perverse generation. The word faithless, it means to be disbelieving, to be non-trusting, to be emptied of trust. The word perverse, it means, it means this, to be distorted or corrupted or to be turning away. Listen, the apostles had seen Jesus work time and time and time again, but in this situation, I brought my son to your disciples and they could not. They didn't know what to do. In that moment, do you know what they were doing? They were choosing to trust in their wisdom and not in the wisdom of God. And Jesus said to them, you are trustless right now because you have turned away from the power that you know was there. You see, disciples, you guys believe that I will work when I am with you, but you don't think that I can work when I'm away from you? Matthew records this statement, and you know the statement. Jesus taught this principle, Matthew 17, in the same story. The disciples came to Jesus apart afterwards, and they said, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your, what's the word? Unbelief. For verily, of a truth, I say to you, 
If you would have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you would be able to say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place and it shall be removed and nothing shall be impossible unto you, not because of you, but because of me. And hey, disciples, you trusted in me yesterday. Why don't you trust in me today? You trust in me when I'm physically present. Why don't you trust in me when I'm physically away? And the fact of the matter is that trust in the Lord must be chosen on a daily basis. When it comes to our challenging situations that we face, we have to choose to trust God regardless of the outcome. I trust him now. And then when doubt comes, I trust him now. And then when doubt comes again, I trust him now. You see, it's a continual choice that you and I must make. You wonder today, why do some people who were once all involved in church and once a devout follower of God, what caused them to fall away? It's because one day they chose not to trust And in your life and in my life, listen, our situations, they are too big for us. Situations are too big for you. God does allow you to have more than you can handle. God allows that to prove to you that he can handle it. And so this morning, I would say that we must, if we're going to take the training wheels off of our trust in the Lord, we have to choose to trust Daily, I see third this morning. This lesson, in order to take the training wheels off of my trust in the Lord, I need to know that while unbelief is always present, unbelief does not have to win. This goes right along with the thought of trusting in the Lord, but I want you to notice with me what Mark records for us from the story. Mark chapter nine, verse 23 and 24. Jesus says to the father, If thou canst believe, all things are possible unto him that believeth. And straightway, the father of the the child cries out and says with tears, with brokenness, Lord, I believe. Would you help my unbelief? I absolutely love that God put it upon Mark's heart to put that in his remembrance of the story. Luke didn't put it, but God put it on Mark's heart to put it. Why why do you love that, pastor? Because I find myself as the father in this story. Many times in my life, you know what I have to pray? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Can I just give you a reassuring statement this morning that is good for every single one of us to hear, whether you're a pastor or you're a, a, a member of the church or this is your first time? Can I just put your mind at ease to simply say this? Doubts come and they are a part of life and it's okay. You know what Dennis Fountain does? Dennis Fountain sometimes struggles with doubt. God, do you really have this under your control? God, do you really know what's going on? God, do you really see my heart? God, do you really see this need? God, do you really see my hurt? God, do you really? Hey, listen, I've been there. You have been there. Why? Because doubts are a part of life. 
But while doubts are a part of your life and while unbelief can be there, here's what we need to understand that doubts, they will come into your life, but doubts do not have to consume or control your life. Hey, you still have a God that you can cry out, Lord, I believe. Would you help my unbelief? God, I have the situation. Lord, I believe that you're working. I believe that you can. Lord, would you help my unbelief? God, I believe that you can do something here. And even though you're not, would you help my unbelief? Jesus says to this man, I, I can work if you believe. And this man says, I believe, but there's a very large part of me that doesn't believe. Could you help that part? I love how this man just pours his heart out with tears to the Lord, recognizing, God, I'm trying. Lord, I'm trying to believe. I don't know if this is true in your life, but here's what's true in my life. It's easy to believe when I can clearly see God doing something. You know what I'm talking about? Like the times when something's going on, you're like, God, I need your help. And then, you know, God steps in and you're like, wow, wow, God's really working hey, what about the times that, that you don't see God working like you think? Here's why I bring that up. At this point in the story, the boy is still demon-possessed. At this point in the story, Jesus had not done anything that the man thought he would do. And if you're like me, there's times when I pray, hey, Lord, here's a situation, and I don't see God work, and I go, yeah. Yeah, man, I'm, you know, I know God can, but I just, I'm kind of doubting that right now. And my doubts take a stronghold in my life. Hey, listen, even at those times, you know, you can cry out, Lord, I want to believe and I do believe. Would you help my unbelief? God, in this moment, when I, when I don't see you working like I want you to, would you help my unbelief? I see fourth this morning. How can we take the training wheels off? Well, it comes back to this. We have to remember that the Lord can still do miraculous works. I want to ask you if you ever find yourself at the place that the apostles were. Jesus said, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long do I have to hold you up, my physical presence? How long do I have to be around for you to believe that I can work? Do you ever find yourself where the apostles were wrestling with the question, of God's ability? Do you find yourself like me thinking, God, I know you can, but since you're not, I don't know that you can. I want you to notice what Jesus does. The man brings the boy to Christ. Here's what Jesus does. The Lord rebuked the unclean spirit. He healed the child. And delivered him again to his father. And notice what the first part of verse 43 says. And they were all amazed at the mighty faith of the father. Is that what it says? Nope. They were all amazed at the mighty great work that the apostles had done. No, it says they were all amazed at the power of who? God. When God, when, listen, when Jesus worked this miracle, they understand that it absolutely had nothing to do with them. The father did not say, wow, he really did help my unbelief. I believe, there you go, look at me. The apostles didn't say, yes, I knew it. 
I knew I had faith the size of a mustard seed. I knew I could do it. No, it says that they were all amazed at the power of God. They recognized who this was. They recognized that Jesus was God. And although they were believing in his physical presence, it was brought to their attention in this moment that God can still work miracles. And I want you to understand this morning that we still have a God who is the God of the impossible. And so all too often in your life and all too often in my life, I sit back and I tell God what he can't do. I tell God what he is not doing. I tell God how he is not performing what I want him to perform. But my friend this morning, can I just remind you from a platform of, of just preaching to you from what God has even spoken to my heart about today, that we still have a God who works miracles and you still have a God that can heal the sick and you still have a God that can save and mend a marriage and a relationship. You still have a God that can change the heart of a person that is running from him and a God that can restore lost relationships within your family. You still have a God that can meet providential needs that are outside of your care. You still have a God that will meet the needs of his church. You still have a God that can break the change of addiction. You still have a God that heals the hurting heart. You still have a God that brings peace in the time of a tumultuous storm. My friend, we still have a God who is saving the lost soul that we think cannot be reached. Why? Because our God is a miracle working God. And it's about time for some of us to say, I'm done with doubt. I'm done with recognizing that yes, God did not answer that request that time, but I have a God that can still work miracles. Where are the Christians? They're gonna step up and say, it's time to take the training wheels off. It's time to recognize that my God is more powerful than anybody else in this entire creation. He is the creator and my God can work. Where's the Christian that'll say, I'll take the training wheels off my trust and I believe God. Where is that Christian? You say, pastor, you're pretty passionate about it this morning because this is me. Man, Dennis Fountain lives with training wheels and my trust so much. Boy, it's easy to trust God when things are going well. I mean, I'm preaching to you this morning and I'll be very transparent. I didn't want to preach today. I didn't want to. I could not, I could barely get out of bed this morning. And I, I, listen, I pulled a muscle on Friday working out. That's what I did. Something in my back tweaked and I'm going to go to a chiropractor today and you pray for me and all that. But when that happened on Friday, I was just like, God, why? And yesterday was a good, yesterday, you know, my wife helped. She, I lay down and she'll pop my back a little bit and we'll try this. And I had my kid hug me yesterday. I'm a little massage thing. I'm taking medicine. I'm like, I'm going to be good. I went to bed last night. You can ask my family. I was stretching. I was moving. I woke up this morning and I was like, I can't breathe. I just couldn't, I couldn't do anything. You want to know the first question I said this morning? God, why? And I begin, to, I begin to justify in my mind why I don't deserve to have a hurt back today. God, I'm going to preach. God, I'm going to go serve people. God, I've studied this week. God, this is a good message. God, you spoke to me this week. Why? And you know what I felt like the Lord said to me this morning? Do you still trust me? So I was listening to my Bible this morning and I thought, okay, God, I trust you. I don't know why, but it's part of life. Like God didn't tap me this morning and make my back go out. You know why my back went out? Because it's part of life. 
And so today I have to choose, do I still trust God? And, I, and I'm not trying to say that so you feel bad for me. I'm not, not one bit. I was wrestling whether or not to tell you. I just knew that if I didn't tell you, you'd be like, why is he like moving weird? <laughs> Listen, I just want us to understand that we've got to take the training wheels off by recognizing that we serve a God who still works miracles. And lastly today, from Mark chapter number nine, I want us to see this, that if we're gonna take the training wheels off of our trust in God, we need to know that fasting and prayer gains attention and truly changes a lot. What does this have to do with the story? This is Mark's account of the story. Here's what Mark records for us. And when he, Jesus, was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately. They asked a question, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said to them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting, we need to understand a little bit about Jews and prayer and fasting. Fasting was abstaining from food. For the point of focusing your attention on a need more necessary than food. Well, what is that need more necessary than food? That need more necessary than food was God. Fasting was a time it did three things. Number one, it brought disruption into your life. It disrupted the system of eating regularly. Number two, fasting grabs your attention. Why does it grab your attention? Have you ever been hungry? Like very hungry? If, you're, if, if you have a teenager in your home, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Our, our kids, I mean, there we got 17, 16, and 14. Here's what I hear often at home. Man, I'm hungry. What do you mean you're hungry? Like literally we just ate. Well, I didn't eat that much. What do you mean you didn't eat that much? You ate a whole pizza. Yeah, but it was a small pizza. We've all been to that place where we've suffered that hunger. You know what hunger does? Hunger grabs your attention. So for the Jew, to fast was to disrupt my schedule, to grab my attention that I need food, but then to direct my attention that I need something more than I need food. I need God in my life more than I need food. And those hunger pains remind me I need God. The hunger pains remind me, yes, food is my sustenance for this life, but God is my sustenance for every part of this life. Prayer and fasting, they gain the attention of God and focus my attention upon my need for him. It's taking the time that you would eat and spending that time in prayer, why? Because the time that I would eat is remind, that hunger is reminding me, God, I need you. So why did Jesus, why did he teach this to the apostles, those disciples in this moment? Why did Mark record it for us? It's because of this. They had forgotten who they needed. Oh, no, no, no. They knew they needed Jesus, but they thought they only needed the physical presence of him. They forgot they needed his power in their life. Hey, I brought my son to your disciples and they could not. Do you know what that tells me? They tried. 
That's what that tells me. They did not have the power. They couldn't do anything. They tried to do something, but they couldn't do anything. And so here's Jesus, oh, faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long do I have to hold you up? Don't you know that faith the size of a mustard seed would move a mountain? And hey, there's some things in life that you need me on. And these come not forth except by prayer and by fasting. What does prayer and fasting teach? Hey, you've lost your focus. You've lost your attention on me. You go through the word of God and all throughout scripture, fasting is there. Esther and the Hebrew people. I think of the people of Israel many times in the Psalms, Daniel, David, Moses, Jesus, the prophets in the Old Testament, the churches in the book of Acts, the apostles and believers at the church of Antioch before they sent out Paul and Barnabas. Time and time again, God's people fasted and prayed that God would open up the doors of heaven and show himself to them. What are they saying? They're just simply saying, God, I need you. Fasting says, I need him. You know why a lot of us probably don't pray and fast? It's because we don't really recognize how much we need him. It's sad to me how I live day to day and I know I need God, but I really don't think about my need of God. I know God can work and I should be trusting him, but I really don't think about my need of God and that I can trust him. This morning I would say that if In your life, you're looking and you're seeing a situation. You're seeing some circumstances and you're saying, this is too big for for me. This is too big for God. Hey, maybe you should fast and pray about it. Well, why? It'll just direct your attention back to him. It'll just help you focus back on him. I heard a message on prayer and fasting about a month and a half ago and God really challenged me and it had some things going on just in my life and things that I was specifically was praying for with our church and family. And I remember I came home and there was a Monday and I said, hey, Hannah, I said, I'm, I'm gonna fast for the next couple of days. You know, don't worry about meals for me, just take care of the kids or whatever. And, and she said, okay. And I remember she, she asked me, well, what are you praying for? And I listed out some things I'm praying for. One of those things was praying for a young man uh, to trust Christ who was attending our church. And I said to her, you know, I'm praying for this, this situation. She said, okay, well, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for it too. And that was Monday, fasted, spent my lunchtime, and I, I was just praying. I'm not telling you this to pat me on the back. I'm telling you to say, God used this to just get a hold of me. Tuesday came, I got up, spent some time praying, hadn't eaten anything. I went to my appointment. I sat down with this young man that I'd been praying for. And this young man said across, I said, tell me your story. He told me his story. I said, all right, tell me about you and God. And he said, actually, that's why I wanted to talk to you today. You said this, and he quoted what I said in preaching a few weeks before that. He was like, I need that. I need Jesus. What do I need to do? And I got to take the word of God and just quote to him some scripture and show him from the Bible how to put your faith and trust in Christ. And right there at that coffee shop. He bowed his head. He prayed and he received Christ. He said, all this while I've been waiting for a sign and all I, all I needed to do was just reach out. I, I, you know, I was praising the Lord. I was excited. I came home. My wife said, how'd the appointment go? I said, man, he trusted Christ. And she looked at me and she was like, huh, what were you praying and fasting about? And I went, oh, hmm. 
Okay, God. Yep, I get it. You know what fasting does? Oh, it doesn't guarantee things are going to happen. There were some things I was fasting and praying for that day that still haven't happened. But it does focus my attention upon the fact I have a God I can trust. Hey, does your trust still have training wheels today? You trust God only when things are going your way? You trust God only if he completes X, Y, and Z? Or today, will you be a Christian that takes the training wheels off and says, okay, God, I believe nothing is too big for you. I believe that you still work miracles. I will choose to trust you even in the midst of doubts. Help my unbelief. And God, if it requires me to have some prayer and fasting to show you my attention, Lord, today, I just want to tell you, the training wheels on my trust, they're coming off. And I ask you this morning, which of these truths resonate in your heart today? What would, what would God be speaking to your heart about? Maybe today you'd ask the Lord to help you in that area and commit to him that your trust this week is not gonna have training wheels.